This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The biggest battle we will ever have to face is the battle between you and you. It's the battle of taking your mind to that limit and then breaking through. On the Mindful Experiment podcast, we will share concepts, universal laws, and interviewing individuals who have done just that, who have gone through the dark times and through those moments, allowed their light to shine bright. I'm your host, Dr. Rick Manzo, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and taking this journey with me as we discover different avenues to break through those limits, expand your reality, and evolve into the person you desire to be. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome. This is Dr. Vic, and you are listening to The Mindful Experiment. So excited to have you on as we do our weekly interview. And this week's guest is Betty Jean Bell. She has such a great energy to her. You're going to pick that up right off in the beginning of the episode. And basically, Betty Jean Bell is the founder of BeingBadass.com. She's helped successful women around the world to lose weight, improve their health, and love their bodies now regardless of shape, all while running their businesses, families, and lives. She believes that when you love the body you have, it becomes the body you want, which I am a firm believer in that. With her radically transformative program, You Are a Babe, and with a badass army of ambitious, inspiring women in 20 countries, Betty Jean Bell helps entrepreneurial women transform their confidence, body, image, and health with meaningful science, psychology, spirituality, and uncommon action that works. 
in this interview, we dive into a whole bunch of stuff. But one of the big things that stood out for me was self-love and the importance behind self-love. I love Betty Jean's uh, Bell's uh, definition of what self-love is, what it means and how it influences her life. We talk about eating, we talk about diets, not really diets, but we dive into some of the things and we break down into how important it is to come from a self-loving approach to weight loss. That'll be totally different than anything else that's out there. And she just, wealth of information, love how she gets a little geeky with me on the neuro side. And we had a really great time chatting. So without further ado, this is Betty Jean Bell. So Betty, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on. Um, I love how, you know, being a badass, just the title of that, I was kind of <laughs> like, yes, she is the perfect uh, person on my show. So I'm excited to have you on and to dive deep into the next hour that we have with each other. I am so excited too. Thank you for having me. I love the show. Uh, I was binging on it myself on Sunday. So I love what you're up to. Great show. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. So I want to know, like, I always love starting out with this first question, and that is just, how to becoming, being a badass and everything that you're doing. What's the storyline behind that? Well, it actually, so there's two little, one's a micro story and then the, and then how the work began is a, is a much longer story that uh, started when I was very young, but how it became being badass. Um, I bought the domain in like 2009. <laughs> I had no idea what to do with it. It was just really rad and I had it. And, um, and I originally started this business at my name, just bettyjeanbell.com. But somewhere I was feeling that push. I was like, you know what? I feel like I'm supposed, this is, it's time for being badass to like have a house, to have a home, to have a purpose. So, uh, I, I started it on Instagram and it really grew and exploded on Instagram. That's how being badass came to be. Um, and I think self-love is badass. That's like the big core of, of what I do. I am a body confidence and weight loss coach. Um, but my method is through the, the vehicle of self-love. And I think self-love is badass because it's having the courage to make um, your mental, emotional, and physical well-being your top priority. And so many of us don't do that. And... Um, the way it started for me is uh, it started when I was four. I wanted, I always knew ever since I was four years old that I wanted to be an opera singer when I grew up. I started singing opera back then. I was in children's operas, um, you know, eight and 12 years old. And that was always what I wanted to do. But when I was 11 years old, um, uh, my body developed before anybody else's. And I went from being this body oblivious stick figure to uh, looking like I belonged on a swimsuit cover. (laughs) (laughs) Happened overnight. So I got a lot of attention from boys. And unfortunately, it was not good attention. I'm sure they, you know, as an adult, I know they they obviously had crushes on me, but they they showed it in a very abusive way. Mm. So, um, So from a very young age, a bunch of boys at school started verbally and physically abusing me. And I didn't know how to tell anybody what was going on. So this went on from age 11 to 17 until I moved away and I never told anybody what was happening. And so uh, when that started happening, that was when I became super self-conscious. And I went from, like I said, like being this opera singing, body oblivious, horseback riding girl to I quit doing all the things except music. Like music was my coping mechanism. It was everything to me. It was my what I thought was my purpose. And, um, and when the boys started... Um, 
abusing me, you know, I started having early stages binge eating. You know, I didn't know how to deal with things. I had, you know, I started uh, having depression and anxiety and panic attacks. I developed severe acne. All these physical manifestations of this stress from not sharing what was happening and not knowing how to share what was happening. So fast forward to age 17, it's time for me to go off and study opera. And I feel like this is my ticket out of here, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Away from what was going on. But my throat starts hurting. And I go to the doctor and they say, oh, you have severe acid reflux. This is back in 1997. So there wasn't a whole lot of research around it back then. Um, and they were, and the first doctor said, you'll never speak again, let alone sing. And so it was devastating. So I tell my voice teacher and she's like, oh no, you are getting a second opinion. (laughs) So she sends me to North Carolina, uh, to a research hospital where they're doing some of the leading research on acid reflux. And they said something similar, but they didn't say I would never speak again. What they said is if you ever hope to sing again, you absolutely cannot speak until we try to reduce some of the, um, I had such severe burns and scar tissue developing on my vocal cords from the acid reflux. So uh, it's 1997 to 1998. I spend the next 18 months mute and there's no text messaging. So I'm carrying around this notebook with me trying to communicate, you know, as a freshman in college on a notebook. Um, So funny. So, so very hard, very difficult for me at that age because suddenly I don't have my coping mechanism. They're telling me I may never sing again. I can't speak. I'm a freshman in college. And I still never really told anybody. I still haven't dealt with all the things that had been happening to me. So it was a really difficult time for me. I end up having my first reconstructive surgery to my stomach when I'm uh, 18 years old, somewhere like close to eight, close to 19 years old. And, um, and it definitely helped with the reflux, but then I was in voice pathology for the next five years, learning to speak without pain. Um, so I was never able to sing opera again. And so I felt like during that time, you know, I had a PTSD break, like all this stuff, you know, it came to terms, like I'd lost my voice and, um, I just, I finally told people what was going on. So I started trying to like heal and, and reconcile from, from my past And, uh, but I had lost my purpose, what I thought was my purpose. And so that was a new form of just depression, anxiety, panic attacks. Like it just kept deepening because now I didn't even know what to do with my life. And my whole life, I was like, this is what I'm doing. This is my ticket out of this depression and all the the things that I was trying to escape from. Right. So, um, so then I get into entrepreneurship and, you know, I go on, I keep looking for, well, what, what's the thing that's going to make me feel purposeful? That's going to make me feel love. Cause all this time, you know, it started out with these boys, um, you know, you know, abusing my body verbally. And, and I had all these beliefs that I was broken and unlovable because that's, those are the kinds of things they said to me that was ugly and unlovable. And, uh, and so my, my, career was the thing that kind of gave me purpose out of that. But all I really wanted was love and I wanted to love and be loved. And, and I kept looking outside of myself for that because that's kind of where my brain had been taught, right. Based on, on what I'd been learning, uh, from the boys and, and from the, my experiences. So I'm looking outside of myself for a career, like what business should I have or what should I learn? Right. So I go into entrepreneurship and I, I have a lot of experiences in business, 
But one by one with each accolade that I achieve, I keep being disappointed. I was like, God, I thought when this happened, then I would be happy. Right. And, and uh, having not had coping mechanisms, I gained a lot of weight in high school and, and I gained a lot of weight in my twenties because I had developed, I was using food to cope with life, food to cope with all these things, especially after losing my voice. So I was sick. Um, I was getting a new diagnosis every day. Once I got into entrepreneurship, I was, or just like even working in businesses, I wasn't really an entrepreneur yet. And I didn't identify as an entrepreneur, but I was in the business world. And um, I was working these 16 hour days, you know, really driving myself into the ground. I, uh, I got to this one point where I was like, gosh, I really want to lose this weight. I think my life will start working and men will love me and all these things will happen if I just lose weight and have a body that's like a certain size. Right. Mm -hmm. So I do what any woman would do. And I join a gym and they teach me how to work out two hours a day, really hard. And they tell me to eat 1200 calories a day and like no carbs. And so like I'm low fat, low carb, like super under eating, way over training, not getting enough sleep, working 16 hour days. I mean, driving my physicality into the ground, but I didn't know better. I thought I was doing everything right. I, you know, I was pursuing the career. I was doing what my coaches said. Um, and I did lose weight but I also wrecked my metabolism. It was like I had a new diagnosis every year. And it finally came to a head where um, there was this one point where uh, I actually lost the vision, part of the vision in my left eye. And I couldn't see. And so for two weeks, I didn't even go to the doctor because I was too busy. (laughs) It was ridiculous, right? So I get to this eye doctor and she's checking it out and she freaks. She's like, oh my God, you need to go to the emergency room. I'm like, why? She's like, either you're having a heart attack or you've got MS. And I'm like, well, I know it's not a heart attack because I've had this for like two weeks. (laughs) Turns out I didn't have MS, um, but I had to go through the whole gamut of tests. It was just that I had optic neuritis, something that was stress induced. And uh, and so it took the vision, part of the vision in my left eye. It was like that for many years. Um, and it did get worse before it got better. Uh, you know, every year here, I am still trying to take my health back, but I really didn't know. I wasn't getting good advice. There was a lot of inflammation, um, still a lot of stress. I was trying to deal with my emotions from kind of the way my life unfolded, but still, you know, wasn't really effectively doing it, even though I was trying. Um, so I get into my thirties and, you know, in my thirties, gosh, that was when my metabolism really tanked because I, you know, although I was able to lose weight doing the two hour training and eating 1200 calories, it really exacerbated the eating disorder. So I was binging really hard on the weekends because I was undernourished, right. And overtraining and overworking. Um, so in my thirties, I just like blow up like my body. I gain a ton of weight, no matter how much I train or how little I eat, it just gets worse and worse. And, um, my, I've got hypothyroidism. I develop gastroparesis, which I'm not, you know, a lot of listeners don't know what that is. And that's where the electrical system in your stomach quits working. And they said, you'll never eat solid food again. So I was on, um, I didn't do the diet they gave me because it's all sugar. So instead I just green juiced. That's all I did. And I hired an eating disorder coach, not so much to heal the eating disorder. It was more to help me process like human beings, we need to chew things. And you kind of go a little batty when you can't chew food. So I hired her to help me kind of handle that I couldn't chew foods anymore. Um, So I just went through a lot of stuff. I mean, there was more diagnoses than I can even recall to list to you. Mm -hmm. It was just like one piled on after the other. 
And finally, no matter how hard I tried, here I was trying to heal my body, trying to find purpose in my work, trying to find love, not just from men, but from myself, really trying, you know, hiring and doing all the things. Um, But I just couldn't, I just couldn't, I seemed to heal myself. I couldn't really get well. Uh, I couldn't, I didn't know how to make myself happy. So no matter how hard I tried, it was like with each accolade, I just felt more disappointed because I was so convinced that if I had all these external things that I would feel better, but I never did. So on my 33rd birthday, uh, I nearly ended my own life. And uh, it was a very well-timed birthday song call from my dad. He called to sing me happy birthday. And I just answered the phone sobbing. And he's like, oh my God, what's going on? (laughs) Uh, So it helped me make a different decision from a well-timed call from my dad. But I call that day my breakdown to breakthrough because I realized, oh my God, if that's what I am willing to do, because I've, I've been trying so hard to do the right thing and to have the job and the career and the purpose and the body and the love, uh, why don't I just try doing what lights me up and just figuring that out? Like, what is it that actually makes me happy now? Probably. And that was when everything started to change for me. And I kind of disconnected all my friends. Everybody was wonderful. There was nothing really wrong with my life on the outside. But I had spent so much time looking outside that I'd never really figured out what I needed on the inside. And so that's what the next several years was all about. It was about learning how to find what felt good for my body, how to listen to my body and let it lead the way and how to find what lit me up. What did I love? What did I want? You know, And I couldn't get a clear picture of that until I disconnected from everyone else and spent a lot of time. In fact, it was several years. I just spent alone or volunteering at churches or like, and by the way, I had been an atheist all this time. Like while, cause uh, my mom growing up had always said, um, and she didn't mean it this way. This is a little kid brain interpreting it this way. But she would say, don't ever take your voice for granted or God will take it away. But what she meant was like, use it or lose it, right? <laughs> That's what she meant. But I took it a very different way. So when I lost my voice, I was so mad. And so I was totally atheist. I was like, what kind of God would do that? So uh, when I'd had my breakdown to break through, I became really open to just exploring spirituality and intuition and not so much religion, but I did go. I went to every kind of church. I went to shaman circles and then like Presbyterian church. Like I didn't care. Like I was just diving in and trying it on because I I needed, yeah, I needed to find what lit me up. Um, And that's when everything changed. I learned uh, that self-love is the answer to pretty much everything. When you really genuinely learn what it is to make your mental, emotional, and physical well-being your top priority, the rest of your life just kind of starts to work. So the weight dropped off. I'm totally 100% well. I still have reflux, but I manage it entirely with um, diet and life and lifestyle, I no longer have gastroparesis, which was a quote unquote incurable illness. And my doctors still argue over who was wrong, right? And they're both like, "No, you for sure had it." And I was like, "No, you didn't," right? Like it's <laughs> so funny. But I, I was just really convinced I could turn it all around. So, you know, all the inflammation is gone. The weight fell off. Just everything in my life starts working. I've been engaged now for three years to like the absolute man of my dreams. I found work, this work. 
um, that lights me up and totally gives me purpose. But the best part about it is even if it ended tomorrow, I wouldn't lose a wink of sleep because I finally know that I don't need an external thing to have purpose or love or to be loved. And it really changed everything. So that's the whole big story of how it happened. <laughs> I love it. And, there, and there's so many, so many awesome parts in this. I mean, there's so much we can dive into and pick away and, and, and see like how the chain of events led to certain levels and so forth. And um, I love how you, your story is very similar to mine in a sense of where I kept looking outside. Like if once I get this title, once I get this reward, once I become the best at this, then I'm successful. And uh, I know, but me, you, but for me, I know I was more empty as I saw more. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Exactly. That's exactly what happened to me. It, it, it was crazy how the more everything, everything that you, like in my mind, everything I constructed more program, I was more programmed this way. And we, most of us yeah. are to mm-hmm. look in that way. It's kind of interesting that when you get there, you're like, wait a minute, this is not my, this is not me. This is not what I'm, uh, there's gotta be more to it than this. Yeah. That is exactly it. Oh my God. And I feel like so many people, I think that's the big thing is like as little kids, we're like, I can do anything, right? And we get so excited, but we're really following what lights us up as kids. Yes. And then somewhere along the way, people are like, oh, that's good when you're five. But now that you're 25, right? You you're, you have to check these boxes if you're going to be happy in life. You're never going to be happy unless X, Y, and Z happens. And it's just not true. <laughs> it's really not true. I'm more like a five-year-old now than I've ever been. And I'm really happy. <laughs> and I think that's the whole title of being a badass, in my opinion. Because you, know? you, you got to be that, that, that kid because that's where it's all at. Yeah, totally. My um, fiance is uh, actually 12 years younger than me. And it took a lot of convincing for him. I'd never dated a younger guy before. But what I love about him is he may be 12 years younger than me, but he is so much more mature than I am. (laughs) Hands down. (laughs) I love that. That is so awesome. That is so awesome. Uh, And you got to be a kid. That's what keeps you young. You know, that's what I always say. Totally. Um, I joke with my girls uh, or my babes in my program um, that I'm on the hotter with age plan because that's definitely like what it's been. Like I felt like the ugly duckling, you know, just because of everything I I went through when I was younger. And now every year it's like my high school friends come back. They're like, dang girl, what are you doing? Like reversing time. (laughs) I feel like it is that. It's that bringing that, letting yourself really feel like a kid and live in a way that lights you up it suddenly it just makes you instantly youthful I totally agree it does I mean it's the stuff and I love you bringing this all up because I share this a lot in the podcast and other things I do where I talk to people about when you're just vibing when you're connected to your source your inner self uh, whatever you want to title that to be Mm -hmm. um everything changes in life and you, you, your energy, the way your eyes glow, the energy field around you, all this stuff, just you're at a different vibe and people are going to look and be like, what are you up to? Like you just said, what are you doing? Like, there's just something different about you. Yeah, it really is like that. And you, you know, you, and you said like, from what I've heard you talking about in some of your other shows, like you get it. Like like really does attract like. Like the, the man the concept of manifestation, it really is a real thing. Because what we focus on uh and what we allow ourselves to believe is possible for us 
it's, it's like when you let yourself believe in yourself, the things you really want, they come to you so much faster. It's like, honest to God, all of my dreams are coming true. This is the year more than any year in my whole life that I feel like I'm pinching myself each morning when I wake up. I'm like, Oh my God, like these are all the things I've always wanted. And it's so humbling. Like multiple times a week, I get humbled just like, Oh my God, like my dream life is really unfolding. But it's all because I dared to dream that it was possible for me. And I've had that persistence my whole life. Um, it's magic. It's total magic. <laughs> it is right. And that's how we, you know, and it's, and it's a normal thing. This is what normally happens, which I, I love you sharing all this. Um, yeah. what story changed for you? What story did you tell yourself, um, that started to see things different? Um, when you were going through all that change, your darkest night of the soul, that dark time mm-hmm. that you went through, um, and then you started, yeah, from that moment, you started changing gears. Was there a story or something that you were telling yourself to change your belief system in order to change your reality? Yeah, I, I really started doing a lot of inner work. Um, I started, I was very coachable. So if someone gave me feedback, I didn't get all bajiggity about it. I just accepted it. Uh, I remember when I, for instance, when I first started dating Chris, my fiance, we actually met at one of the churches that I was trying on, right? I was volunteering (laughs) in their office because I'm a doer, right? So they're like, you should come to the to the Sunday sermons and stuff. I'm like, nope, I just want to volunteer in your office. Like, I just like to get my hands dirty and meet the people doing stuff. So he was the grounds manager at this church. What I loved about meeting him is I was actually at, I was pretty newly out of everything that had been going on. Like it only been about a year um, since I had considered uh, committing suicide. And I know that seems like a long time, but I was really still in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. And um, I wasn't considering, you know, suicide anymore. But I was still like trying to heal, and so I was, I was on my spiritual adventure exploration, and I was still very inflamed. I was still very um, physically big. I was still wearing like a fourteen, wearing a size fourteen, sixteen. Um, so I didn't feel the most attractive. I didn't feel I was like, one of my biggest weights I'd ever been, and I was still pretty sore emotionally from, and just fatigued from everything I was feeling. But I was, I was out there, I was being open and and looking to heal. And, and when I met him during that time, what I loved is, is he really saw me for who I was, right? Like that's something that is magic about when you start getting on that healing path and you really make your well being your top priority, the people who love you, the things that you want, they will come to you despite your circumstance. So before old Betty Jean, like pre 33rd birthday thought, no man will love me until I'm a certain weight, have a certain amount of money, have like all these conditions, right? Conditional love. Men will love me if I meet all these conditions. But on the other side, when I was like, you know what? I love me and I'm just going to figure this out. And I don't know how or what it looks like, but I'm going to do it. Like I love myself. I'm going to do whatever it takes to take care of myself. And as a result, men love me on no condition. It's just because I exist. And and that's what makes Chris and I so special. Um, And what I'm so grateful for, he really is a product of my own personal healing. It wasn't because I became something. And yeah, it was really good. But during that time, to specifically answer your question, what new things did I tell myself? 
Um, when Chris and I started dating, he told me that when he told me I was beautiful, that I would make this face as if I had just, he had just physically punched me. Like I would make a face like I was physically injured. And he goes, it's hard to tell you you're beautiful because it, it, it hurts to look at you hurting when I say it. And that really hit me. I was like, whoa, I didn't know that I did that. Um, so I started doing mirror work, which I always thought was stupid in the past. You would tell me to like <laughs> say things to myself in the mirror. I'm like, that's so dumb. Like I would try it and didn't like it. But I started just experimenting. And now I have a whole body of work that I, I share with the gals in my program. But you know, it all came out of just like really genuinely wanting to be able to look in my own eyes and see myself with love. Um, so there was a there's a whole lot of different things that I did to start really turning that conversation around. But one of them was a really simple thing and it was super uncomfortable and it's really uncomfortable for a lot of women who first start doing it. But every single time I saw my reflection, whether it was in a mirror or in a window or anything, I would say, hello, gorgeous. Even if it felt like total BS and it did for a long time but I was committed to it. And now I see myself in the mirror and it's like, dang girl, you look good. And it's so honest to God. Like I genuinely, the first thought is I look hot. What should I wear today? Should I do something different with my eyes? I don't know. Like I just have so much fun dressing up now because of that practice, because of those early days of Hello Gorgeous. I love that. And and it's something so simple, but it is powerful, you know? Um, Yeah to reprogram the thought process, just doing that work alone from a neuro side, you're going to slowly change the game. You're going to change that brain to look at things in a different perspective, like you have now. Yeah, totally. And that's what it's all about. Like, I'm, I'm like you, I'm like super nerdy about brain science. Like, I love it. Oh my God. I love it so much. And it's so funny because we love to overcomplicate it, but really the way we criticize ourselves in the mirror or just criticize ourselves in general, it's just a habit. We've just built these deep neural pathways where our first, just what's comfortable, what's normal is self-criticism. But just like you said, all you got to is we retrain our brains like we retrain a puppy. It's just through repetition and reward, repetition and reward. And, uh, and you just say it, you just have to, and it's going to feel uncomfortable at first. (laughs) Anything new feels awkward and uncomfortable and like, this isn't right, but you just, you just keep repeating it and eventually it does become real. Yeah. And it just, and it's a little steps at a time. That's why I always tell people that they get, they want to, we live in a world of instant gratification. It's one of those things where I'm like, just make little same, small changes over a long period of time and it will eventually change, become normal. Totally. That's exactly it. Exactly. It becomes totally normal. And then you look in the mirror and you're like, dang, girl, you look good. (laughs) (laughs) I love for all the listeners out there. Try that. It works. Trust me. It does. Um, You got got proof right here with Betty. And and I've used that myself. It works. Um, (laughs) I love it. So the words, the term self-love, you know, they, they, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's, I've heard this many times people talking about how you have to love yourself first, self-love and all these mm-hmm. things. Love to ask you first, what does it mean to you? And mm-hmm. then we'll get it. I, mean, I think we kind of got the why of the importance, but we could dive into that also. Yeah. So a lot of the time when um, women talk about self-love, they immediately move to self-care. 
So they think, uh, oh, it's mani pedis. Oh, it's massages, right? I love myself. I take care of myself. But then they'll also say, I don't have the money for massages. I don't have the money for mani pedis, right? Or I don't have the time. And honestly, that is... those are nice. Those are nice gifts that you can give yourself, but that's not what self-love is. Self-love is making your mental, emotional, and physical well-being your top priority. Because if you if you think about that, when you love something, you know, lots of babes out there, they have families or they have businesses or careers, things that they feel are really, really important. Maybe they don't love their career, but but they love their pets, right? And they love their kids. And when we love something, we make sure whatever our kids need, like they've got it. Like what do they need? They need good food to keep them healthy. They need a good school. You know, you stick up for them when they're having a hard time at school. Like you go to bat for them and you make time for them and you invest in them. But then it comes to themselves. And it's like, when you Many women secretly tell me when I when I get to chat to them, they they whisper to me, God, when I look in the mirror, I, the first thing I think is you're disgusting. And it's so heartbreaking, but it's so common that that's what women think of themselves. How do you treat someone when you're disgusted by them? It's like you yeah. don't, yeah, you don't treat them great. You don't want to spend time with them. You don't want to look at them. Like the last thing you want to be with is somebody who disgusts you. Like that's a really powerful statement. And that's where a lot of women are, are living. They're, they're, they believe they love themselves because they're trying, you know, they, they start the diet, they join the gym. Like they, those are efforts of self-love. But the, the problem is that uh, it's starting with action. So one of the things I, I tell women a lot, I say it all the, t- all the time on Instagram, and I'm always saying it in my practice, is our thoughts create our feelings, our feelings create our actions, and our actions create our world, which include our body. So w- when you think about that, when we start with diet or exercise, something like that, you're starting with action. You're not actually starting with your thoughts about it. You're not starting like a lot of women hate exercise. They hate dieting. Like they're so tired of restrictive dieting and all this stuff. So you, again, you're coming into this doing something you hate. And How do you treat something you hate? Not well. So for me, I feel like the only way to create any kind of real healing or lasting transformation, the only way to lose weight forever without even feeling like you're trying to lose weight is by starting with your thoughts about food, your body, yourself, your time, your resources, all of that. When your mental, emotional, and physical well-being, your thoughts around that, when you handle those first, the actions and everything just follow automatically. Because just like I said before, when you love something, it is your top priority. You make time for it. It's easy. You enjoy investing time, money, and energy into it. But when you hate something, you resent uh, investing time, money, or energy into it. So I feel like transformation that lasts, healing, all of that, it really has to start with your thought life. And then your actions naturally happen. Then the outcome, it just happens automatically, but it all starts with your thoughts. And so that's why I feel like self-love is the thing that is missing in pretty much everything these days. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think we need more of it. And I love your definition of it, how you 
explain it from a, a different perspective of taking, you know, the being side of it first before the doing or, you know, those types of things. Um, yeah, totally. really, really huge. I, I mean, in my first book, I talk a lot about the be, do, have model and how we have that reverse and we do the have, do, be. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right. And yes. that was your, that's your story. That's my story, right? You <laughs> thought you have to have this, then you could do this, so you could be this person. And I think everyone is, I don't know where this training comes from, but it's just how we've been programmed as a society, especially in, in America. It's a very, yang society so much do 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 right yeah totally but for someone who's listening to like okay i love what you're saying i love the thought thing i love the whole thing on that i get it you know thoughts first inner world all with you how do you start to change the thought processes especially since you know most of the time we've been programmed and conditioned to think and see in a certain way Yeah. So one of my very favorite tricks to start people with is one that came out of meditation. So I'm telling you, whatever you guys want to call it, but like I call it my angels. So I think my angels are hilarious. They're super goofy because I'm super goofy. (laughs) So I get a lot of like really goofy things coming out of my meditations and I love it. I'm always so grateful. So this was through me, not of me. Um, (laughs) But would you participate in a a knock-knock joke with me? Go for it. Let's do it. So, uh, Knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting Cal. Interrupting Cal who? Moo! (laughs) (laughs) That joke came to me in a meditation, like serious straight dialogue. And what it was is that is the trick that I teach my babes for interrupting negative thoughts. (laughs) So it's the interrupting cow trick. (laughs) 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 That is what we call it. And so when we first start, what happens is I actually don't start women with hello, gorgeous, because so often when you are thinking I'm disgusting every time you look in the mirror, um, immediately going to hello, gorgeous, it's like way out of your realm of possibility. It's like so far opposite that you're like, oh my God, I'm like never going to say hello, gorgeous. This is like not even right for me. So what we do is we first start with the interrupting cow trick. So every time they catch themselves, um, criticizing like and it it isn't just about our bodies like we often will criticize ourselves like oh i could have done better or oh i should have known better <laughs> like all these things like there's so many ways that we will criticize ourselves so i have my babes notice that the very first thing as soon as you notice criticism you go no no i am not thinking that thought a lot of it's just interrupting the thought and then um in the in the first early stages, I have folks, whatever it is they like, Instagram or Facebook, whatever their little favorite social media platform is, Pinterest, I have them make an album of all baby animal photos or baby animal videos or adorable little ducks or little like baby, baby deer bouncing in the you know field, like whatever, just super cute things that have nothing to do with your life. They can't trigger an opinion, nothing. They do moo trick, interrupting cow trick. So they moo when they notice the critical thought. And as fast as they can get to it, they open up something that has nothing to do with it and makes them laugh. And what we're really doing here is I feel like the gateway to being open to seeing yourself with love to, for example, the hello gorgeous trick, it isn't about saying the opposite of what we believe. It's about interrupting the negative thought and rebuilding the pathways to something that lights us up. And it's got to be light because if we try to assign too much meaning to it, we can 
introduce too much resistance. And so I just try to keep it really benign and really fun and light. So the interrupting cow trick is hilarious all by itself because my girls are like mooing all day. And it's really <laughs> funny. I've heard them doing like one woman, she had a clothing business and she would sell it clothing on um, Facebook Lives. And on one of her Facebook Lives in the middle of it, she goes, moo. <laughs> <laughs> Because she had some negative thought or something she was saying, and she just burst out laughing because nobody knew what she why she moved. <laughs> so what I love about it is that first you use the training wheels of the baby animal um, pictures, but eventually the moo trick becomes enough to lighten you up and to get you to like, oh my god, I'm doing that self critical thing again. That's not even true. And next thing you know, you're laughing so much and you're so lighthearted about it that you. Your brain starts to learn, oh, I thought that thought, no, not participating. Hello, gorgeous. You see what I mean? (laughs) It just starts to move into the, no, I'm not going to criticize myself. It's really bringing the energy of, I refuse to participate with my negative thoughts. The negative thoughts are never going to go away, but we can, with training, stop them instantaneously and just refuse to participate. It's just like if someone mean came up and said something mean, do you be like, uh, no? You are not going to say that to me. And you would just walk away. It's basically training yourself to do the same thing with your thoughts. So that's kind of our process in the program. I love it. I'm all for it. It's, uh, I, I do something similar and it's just, but how do you, you know, creating that pattern interrupt. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I know you're into neural stuff. So like Hebb's law, nerves that fire together, wire together. So it's, that's right. You know, the more that you continue to, for the listeners out there, it's all neural stuff. That's why I love neurology and being a chiropractor. It's just even more fun because we understand patterns. We understand how the brain adapts and how it conditions itself and all this, but it's, it's really interesting to, you, you get caught in these circuits, circuitries, this routine, um, and what you're sharing is just great because you just stop that nerve to fire and say, let's go over here instead. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You but can't... you're doing it too. So I love it. It's like we're nerding out together. <laughs> oh yeah, no, totally. I mean, I'm all about it. It's uh, you know, it's, but I tell people all the time, I'm like, cause you know, people say, well, how do I break a pattern? I'm like, you can't break neural patterns. You can train yourself to have new patterns and then eventually yeah. the old will reside. Uh, yep. But you can't break a pattern to create, you know, and then just switch over. I'm like, it's just, I again, I get real nerdy. So I'll be like, the law of thermodynamics states <laughs> that you can't yeah. create or destroy energy. You only can transform it. It only moves in other forms. I'm like, neuro is the same way. You can't break nerve patterns. You can just create new ones. And that energy that held that system up in place will reside and move to the new pattern that you're creating. Yes. Oh, I love, I seriously, like I love stating studies as well. Like I get so nerdy, just like, you know, if I have a belief, I'm like, I wonder if they've done a study on that. And they're like, dig into all the journals. <laughs> like, I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. It's uh, it's fascinating stuff. So it, it's cool. So I love that, that aspect and I, and I, and, and it works wonders. Have you ever um, um, heard of the ones like with rubber bands or, um, kindness uh type stuff where you switch over and it kind of helps you become more conscious and aware of how many times you do it um is it like where you wear the rubber band on your wrist and snap it every time you is it that kind of thing or is it different if if you're into the pain side yes you can do this (laughs) not necessary but some people uh need that um (laughs) and then there's some where you just you go ah there i am i did it again let me take this brace off let me put it on my other wrist now oh i love that (laughs) 
Yeah, there's so many different ones out there, but um, I know there was, I was at a seminar one time and the chiropractor presenting was like, y'all need to get a bracelet, take these rubber bands. And when you say something negative about yourself, he just snaps himself really hard. I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I go, I could see when I may need that if I'm stubborn, but I think I can try to avoid that if I could. But. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm not into the pain thing either. <laughs> but everyone's different. One of my buddies, uh, Manish Sethi, he invented Pavlock. Have you heard of that? Sounds familiar? I don't know if I oh, have, though. It's a wearable device that electrocutes you. <laughs> oh, electrocutes my goodness. You to have it changed. Oh, my God. It's so intense. He's so wild. But it makes me think of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, you know, I always tell people, whatever works, whatever works for you is all that matters. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so as we're talking about a lot of self-love here, and I know you do weight loss and stuff, and mm-hmm. I've, I've always been a component of that, you know, doing is important but it's the being aspect of where your mindset is and how you see things uh from there from a love self-loving approach when it comes to weight loss how's that different from the gazillions of other methods that are out there yeah so the gazillions of other methods i mean like a lot of those methods are scientifically proven so that's the big thing is like people are often looking for that silver bullet right like i've got to find the diet that I can stick to that lets me eat all my favorite foods, but you know, and it's the secret weight loss diet. It's the one that works better than all the others. Like that's what people believe. But I can tell you that 100% of the women in my program are all getting the same results and they all eat 100% different dietary theories. (laughs) Not a single (laughs) woman is on the same dietary theory. And, and so, and that's what I'm always teaching. Like, it isn't about the diet. You pick whatever diet feels good in your body and helps your body heal and stay healthy, right? And that that's an art in and of itself. So we we help women through all of that. But that's still that's still the doing, right? Yep. So like that's what when women come in, when women come in, they're like I just want to lose weight. If I can lose weight, my life will work. They genuinely believe that. Like my health will turn around. I'll do better in my career. Like everything in my life will work if I just lose this weight. And so that's why I teach weight loss. I'm like, great, we can help you do that. <laughs> and then you get in the door and I'm like, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna put this little weight loss goal. We're gonna tuck it here and you're gonna focus, you're gonna think about it every day. So like we we meet for meditation every single morning. It's called Feel Good 45. We get you feeling good before you start your day. Nice. Um, so super fun. So, you know, we read and visualize what it is we want to bring in our lives every single morning. So for many women, it's visualizing themselves in a trimmer body, you know, so like weight loss isn't ignored, but we don't move into action. And so like, I think that's the real big thing is for the first, there's a lot of habits where, you know, we teach habit change. We teach the things that absolutely are critical to helping women heal their bodies, lose weight and make their mental, emotional, and physical well-being a top priority. But like you and I have been talking, you know, it's all slow because there's studies out there that show it takes an average of 66 days to form a single habit until it's automatic. And that doesn't even count like emotionally charged habits. It's like remembering to drink a glass of water in the morning takes an average of 66 days. And in the study, like the top people, the people it took the longest, it was like, I don't remember the exact number. It's like 284 days or something. Like that's a long time to remember to drink a glass of water in the morning, right? Yeah, totally about it. Yeah. So like habit change takes time. And so we work on habit change. We do all, you know, we do address all the typical weight loss stuff, but we come at it 
through that lens of self-love, when you start to look at what is it that's going to make my mental, emotional, and physical well-being my top priority, we ask questions like, okay, so you want to stop overeating. Well, let's dive into why you're overeating in the first place. People often say, oh, I'm just, you know, I just love pizza. And I'm like, well, I love pizza too, but that's, that's not why I overeat it. You know, it actually, <laughs> it actually has nothing to do with the pizza. So we have a lot of really deep conversations and we really help women become aware of uh, what it is they're doing. So actually there's like kind of a three-step system. It's um, rituals. We start with rituals. Nice. Step two is awareness and step three is systems. So the way we come at it is we do rituals because it's a great way to bundle habits. You know, if it takes 66 days, an average of 66 days to form a single habit until it's automatic. Well, if you make a ritual that bundles together a bunch of habits, you kind of bypass that research a little bit. Mm. Now you're spending 66 days trying to remember to do your ritual, which actually knocks out a bunch of stuff, right? Which is cool. So we do rituals. Step two is awareness. So what we look there is, okay, why aren't you doing your ritual? Let's look at that, right? Let's dive into that. So when we're building the awareness, we find what challenges are coming up that are hindering you so that we can build systems around it, but also what meaning are you assigning to this? So are you beating yourself up because you didn't lose five pounds? Or are you saying, oh, I can never, I can never solve this challenge because my kids always need me at nine o'clock, right? Or like whatever it is. A lot of the time we're just assigning these meanings that limit us that aren't even true. So we spend a lot of time looking at what's getting in the way of what it is you desire, what meaning are you assigning it, and how can we build a system that bypasses that challenge so that these habits and these things you need that serve you and make your mental, emotional, and physical well-being your top priority, how can we systematize it so it doesn't require you or willpower or anything? And so that's kind of our process. And what's happening, what happens as a result of that is like healthy eating ends up becoming an automatic thing. Like it just, like food just gets handled and you don't have to think about it and you're not making food decisions every day and you're not assigning a bunch of meaning to it. You notice that if you're wanting to overeat, now you're not going, now you're not just giving into a binge, but you're actually going, oh, I've been here before. I know that when I work really long days and I don't get enough sleep the night before, I am going to biologically feel compelled to eat pizza and wine. (laughs) I'm not a screw up. It's just my biology. You start letting yourself off the hook. You start understanding what's happening from an emotional and a biological level so that you can start building systems that honor you and serve you so you can live your best life without having to try so hard all the time. So that's kind of what self, that's why we believe that self-love is the game changer. It's like you never, you don't stop thinking about, like you need to eat healthy foods, but it needs to be right for you. It doesn't have to be a some certain special weight loss diet. Um, it doesn't, you don't have to do like CrossFit every day. Like that's not, you don't have to do that. <laughs> like <laughs> Your body is unique. You might not be healthy enough for exercise right now. A lot of my women aren't. And, uh, and the vast majority of my women, like they hit their weight loss goals and they aren't even healthy enough to exercise for like 18 months. Right. So, um, it's really about learning to make your mental, emotional, and physical well-being your top priority 
by asking the right questions, building awareness, building rituals, building systems, and just learning to let yourself off the hook. I love that. And does pers- because I, it sounds like there's a little bit of perspective involved in this. Like, is there any perspective of how you view food or how you view, let's say, you know, you're not feeling well and you want to have that, that pizza, or you want to have that uh, glass of wine with it, or you want to mm-hmm. have a whole pizza, whatever it is. Is there mm-hmm. like a perspective that you get, try to get people to, to be like, it's okay to do that when you're, when you get to a certain level, like it's, or it's okay if you want to do it. Don't, don't beat yourself up over it. Yeah, totally. Um, so my perspective on food is it's delicious. (laughs) 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 Yeah. And the big thing I like to teach gals is I, I think one of the most important things is there, there, no food should be off limits. I don't believe in treat food or cheat days. Food is just food, right? And I think the biggest key is understanding, um, inflammation. So I teach the, the gals, what inflammation is and how the, their choices about what they put in and on their bodies, how that impacts their weight loss goals, their health, their mood, their endocrine systems, all of that. And I feel like once someone really understands what like a Papa John's pizza is compared to here in Austin, Texas, we have a place called Mod Pizza, which is like, mm. I want to live there. Have you ever heard of Mod Pizza? I've heard of them. Yeah. Oh my God. I love it. So you can get gluten-free. <laughs> you can get these like homemade gluten-free uh, giant pizza crust and you put whatever toppings you want and they're all organic. And so my fiance and I eat there like once or twice a week. It's our favorite restaurant. And we split a pizza every time we go. Um, so I actually have pizza every week. So I'm a big fan of pizza, but I also healed my gut, you know, and I've applied inflammation theory to pretty much everything I eat. So I don't eat proteins that have hormones or antibiotics in it. I'm very rarely. And it's usually if I'm at a restaurant, you know, it just doesn't happen very often. But if I eat at home and most of the time I choose restaurants that have clean, they serve clean ingredients. And I feel like once the ingredients are clean, the real key is the the, the thing I have gals ask themselves about foods when they're kind of mentally rating it is number one, does this serve my goals? And number two, does it serve my body? And uh, we actually have our own app. We have a You Are a Babe app, which is really awesome and really helpful. And uh, we have a, a thumbs up, a neutral, and a thumbs down. But I tell them all the time, just because it's thumbs down doesn't mean you shouldn't eat it. And it doesn't mean you're bad. And it doesn't mean the food is bad. It's just a way to kind of rate so we can see what percentage of the time are we making these exceptions that don't serve our body. And so a thumbs down is it doesn't serve my goals and it doesn't serve my body. And then the the middle road is it serves one, either it like it serves my goal, but it might not serve my body. So Diet Coke would be an example of that, right? It's not great for my body, but like it's really not going to impact my weight loss goal that much depending on how healthy my endocrine system is. Mm-hmm. Um, and And then green thumbs up is it both serves my goals and my body. And, and I think everybody should have some thumbs down food. Like I had two, you know, glasses of wine. I was like, I had like each glass of wine as a thumbs down. I was like two delicious thumbs down, right? (laughs) (laughs) So good. So I feel like it's just about finding that balance, you know, uh, nothing should be off limits. As soon as we start limiting and restricting, that's when we start binging. Um, and it doesn't serve us a healthy diet. Our body is made to handle toxins. It can totally do it. It's just how chronically are we exposing it? I would rather 
be able to pick the wine rather than we're, you know, rather than putting lotion on my body that is taxing my liver, damaging my body and making that wine that I'm consuming a lot harder on my body. So it's, no. it's stuff like that. No, I love it. And I love the whole thing. I, again, just bringing some science to the table. I, uh, in one of my programs, I share the, the concept of perspective and how powerful it is. And they did a study where they looked at chocolate, just for, they did coffee and chocolate, but we'll do chocolate because women mm-hmm. most likely like chocolate for the most part. I love chocolate too, though, by the way. I love chocolate too. Um, and I enjoy <laughs> it every day, have my little piece every day. Yeah. Um, got to, it's uh, very healthy, but here's the it thing. Is. The cool thing about the study was, is because just like with coffee, there's so many negatives and positives. People right. argue that, well, here's the benefits of, ca- of co- uh, chocolate, but then here's the negatives. Right. So they did a study and they said, okay, these individuals are going to have chocolate. Well, all we want you to do is focus on the positives. What's this going to give to your body? What's going to give to your life? How it's going to help your body stay younger, free radicals, the magnesium, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. The other group, they focused on the negatives. All mm-hmm. the negatives with the dairy, the sugar, blah, 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 all the stuff that's in chocolate. Mm-hmm. And we think happened at the end, I forgot how much time frame there was, but we think at the end, the people who had chocolate that saw the benefits only of it, did they, do you think they did not get those benefits or they did? Oh, I think they got those benefits and I, I bet they like lost weight and like everything in their life started working properly. Everything was good. Yeah. They yeah. got all the good stuff where the other <laughs> yeah. people had the health issues, their cholesterol. I forgot how they rated it. I, I gotta go review the study again, but it's, it, it's been years, but it's one of the things yeah. they had the negative effects of chocolate and how it impacted their health and so much more. Yes. Our mind is such a powerful force. It really, really is. That's one of the big things too. When I'm first uh, interviewing gals to see if they're the right fit for the program, um, I can only work with women who are willing to have that unwavering faith that they can heal or that they can succeed. Because if you come into something going, I'm just going to try this and like, you know, nothing ever works for me and it's not going to work, then it's not going to work. Nothing. And so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna work with anybody who is hell bent on believing that it's not gonna work for them because it won't. Nothing will. <laughs> um, I only want to work with those women who are like lying in the sand, like I am healing. I don't know how, but dang it, this is happening. Because when you have that unwavering faith that you can heal, I'm telling you, that's what healed me. It wasn't that I knew how; it was that I believed, come hell or high water, this was happening, and universe would show me the way. I love it. And I can relate so much in so many ways, especially being a chiropractor. It's the same thing. Like if someone comes in and you just think chiropractic only helps with pain and that's all it's going to do. And that's uh, it. And I'll look at them and be like, yeah, what happens when you're out of pain? Well, uh, I don't think I need this anymore. Or, and I'm like, okay, what's the thing that got you there? Let's, and then I have to go through this whole process. And, and again, yeah. you got to make sure they're fit for the, you know, especially the way I, I practice it. It's, it's lifestyle and it's, you got to make sure that people fit. So yeah, totally. So we're getting down to the hour here already, man. This was quick. It was. Um, you're so fun. I love what you're up to so much. You're so uh, easy to talk to. <laughs> uh, I appreciate it. Same, we're on definitely the same wavelengths. Totally. Um, what is some things you have going on? Uh, masterclass. Let's talk a little bit about that real quick. Yeah. So I have a masterclass right now, up right now, but uh, by the time this recording comes out, I am so excited because I'm working on a new masterclass. It's so rad. And I think, I feel like this is the best thing I have made. So, so many women are, uh, ask me, you know, how do I stop overeating? 
How do I end the self-criticism? And how do I really start seeing my body with love? Um, oh, and by the way, I'd like to lose 20 pounds. <laughs> I hear it all the time. But this new masterclass, that's what it's all about. It's the exact steps I use with all my clients to help them stop overeating, uh, end the self-criticism, and truly see their bodies with love. We break it all down for you. You've heard a lot of the pieces. It's a lot of what we talked about today, but I really break it down kind of like in a linear path and it's totally free and you can find it on my website at beingbadass.com. And I am so excited for anybody listening. If you, if it's resonating what you've heard today, then um, I really think this masterclass is going to help you a lot. So I'm really excited to share it with you. Love that. And how could people get a hold of you outside the website? Anything else? Social media? What, what do you recommend? Yeah, I am an Instagram fanatic. So you can find me on Instagram at being badass. Yeah, I love it. So you can always DM me. I check my DMs all the time. Um, we also have a Facebook group and I will start doing here in the coming weeks. I'm going to start doing some little mini master classes in there, but Instagram for sure is my jam. <laughs> love it. Cool. Well, Betty, this was, uh, this was awesome. Appreciate having you on and the content and everything sharing. I know you're doing great things and, uh, I love your story and I could see the, the power from what that, what you went through and where you are now and how it was a catalyst for you. So, uh, I'm excited to see the continued work of you. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Vic. You are such a delight. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For past shows, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. I hope this show inspired you and added to your life to help you on the journey to rediscover who you really are. To connect with us on Facebook, please visit www.facebook.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. Check us out on Twitter. The handle is Dr. Vic 21. Follow us on Instagram, www.instagram.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. If you were inspired by the podcast, pay it forward by sharing it with someone who you know can benefit from it. Thank you again for listening to the Mindful Experiment podcast, sharing paths to help you rediscover your infinite potential. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Confidence starts with loving who you are. 
And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.